0: Remember more, improve your focus, and multitask better. HUM is a brain sharpener that helps you do all three. HUM's wearable boosts your working memory and will be available in late 2021. Sign up to be notified when HUM launches and to learn more about the science behind HUM at ThinkHUM.com. That's Think ThinkHUM.com. HUM is designed for healthy adults and should not be used if you're pregnant, have cognitive impairment, implanted devices, or a history of seizures. The HUM patch is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. To learn more, go to ThinkHUM.com. Democracy is precious. Democracy is fragile. And At this hour, my friends, democracy has prevailed. The only wrong thing to say is to say nothing. Catastrophic climate breakdown is to do the seemingly impossible. We'll go into a national lockdown, which is tough enough. And yet that is what we have to do. With every job that goes into your arms mattered. Mattered. and Fiona Taylor's life mattered pain. and Philando Castile's but life mattered and Tamir Rice's something's gone wrong right mattered so what's the prime minister going to do about it Hello and welcome to the weekly news in brief from Sherlock It's Thursday the 15th of April and here are your main stories this week People in England brace freezing temperatures to enjoy the latest relaxation of lockdown measures on Monday As shops and hairdressers reopened and pubs and restaurants began serving customers outdoors much of the country faced wintry showers, including outbreaks of rain, sleet and snow. Undeterred by the weather, shoppers were seen queuing outside stores in Birmingham, Liverpool, Newcastle and London, while queues were pictured forming outside barbers across the country. The British retail consortium welcomed the relaxation as a big day for retailers and said many were excited and desperate for customers to return. According to figures from Springboard, Monday's high street footfall was up 100% on last week. Retail expert Dr Gordon Fletcher said pent-up demand meant a surge in foot traffic was expected but could be temporary with some shoppers likely to return to online shopping habits built up over the last 12 months. Boris Johnson was among those flocking for a haircut on Monday. He has urged people to behave responsibly as pubs and restaurants begin serving again this week. Professor Peter Horby, chair of the Tag Advisory Group on Respiratory Viruses, told The Times there was inevitably going to be a rebound in virus cases as lockdown is eased. However, Horby said the extent of this spike would depend on how well the public stick with the restrictions that remain in place. According to new data published by the Office for National Statistics this week, about half of British adults would have tested positive for COVID-19 antibodies by the end of March. Research from the Statistics Agency has estimated that 54.9% of people in England had antibodies in the week to the 28th of March, meaning they have either had the infection in the past or been vaccinated. Those in older age groups were more likely to test positive for antibodies due to their prioritisation under the vaccine scheme. Meanwhile, researchers have confirmed that a study into whether COVID vaccines can be safely mixed is to be expanded. The Comcov study, which was set up to examine alternating first and second jab doses of the Oxford, AstraZeneca and Pfizer vaccines, will now also include those made by Moderna and Novavax. Researchers are investigating whether mixing vaccines could provide people with longer lasting immunity against the virus and new variants, as well as allowing more flexibility in the jab rollout. If the study shows promising results, the MHRA and Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation will need to formally assess the safety and effectiveness of any combination before it's rolled out to patients. More than 40 million vaccine doses have now been administered across the UK. On Tuesday morning, the NHS website for booking jabs crashed after appointments were opened to those aged over 45. The extension comes after the scheme met its target of offering a first dose to the first nine priority groups three days early on Monday. Despite the initial technical hitch, Vaccine Minister Nadim Zahawi quickly tweeted the issue had been fixed. While Boris Johnson has welcomed the scheme's success, he has also stressed that people must understand that falling cases and deaths are not down to the rapid rollout. He explained, Of course the vaccination programme has helped, but the bulk of the work in reducing the disease has been done by the lockdown. With this in mind, Johnson has warned that as the UK unlocks it will inevitably see more infections. In South London, the government has launched its largest surge testing programme yet, after 44 cases of the South African variant were found in the boroughs of Wandsworth and Lambeth. The extra testing has since been extended to Southwark and Barnet. All residents are being encouraged to come forward for testing, even if they have no symptoms. The Queen returned to royal duties on Tuesday, four days after the death of Prince Philip. The monarch hosted a ceremony in which the Earl Peel formally stood down as Lord Chamberlain. The office is responsible for organising royal ceremonies, including Prince Philip's funeral. The Earl has been replaced by Andrew Parker, a former MI5 chief. While the Queen and wider royal family are observing two weeks of mourning, officials say they will continue to undertake engagements appropriate to the circumstances. The Queen is said to have described the death of her husband as having left a huge void in her life. Philip's televised ceremonial funeral will take place in Windsor on Saturday. Buckingham Palace has said the arrangements will very much reflect the Duke's wishes, including the use of a Land Rover he designed himself to transport the coffin. Only 30 people can attend the funeral due to Covid restrictions. Both Prince William and Prince Harry will be among the guests. It will be the first time the pair have met in person since Harry revealed details of friction with his family in a bombshell interview in March. On Sunday, former Prime Minister Sir John Major, who was guardian to the princes following the death of their mother, said he hoped shared grief would give them an opportunity to mend any rifts between them. Labour has accused the Conservative Party of sleeves and cronyism over its response to the Greensill capital controversy. It follows revelations about David Cameron's efforts to lobby the government on behalf of Greensill. The former Prime Minister is said to have texted Chancellor Rishi Sunak and other serving ministers in an effort to secure emergency government help for the now-collapsed finance firm. The Treasury is also reported to have reconsidered an emergency loan application for the company after Cameron contacted one of Boris Johnson's senior advisers. Johnson has since confirmed that an independent inquiry led by lawyer Nigel Boardman will be launched into the finance firm and its contacts with the government. However, Labour has insisted that a full parliamentary investigation is required. Shadow Minister Rachel Reeves said Boardman was a very good friend of the government and slammed the planned probe, saying it's not independent, it's barely an inquiry, it's nothing but an insult. The opposition's efforts to set up a Commons committee to investigate the issue were defeated on Wednesday after Boris Johnson ordered Tory MPs to vote against the Labour proposal. The motion was defeated by 357 votes to 262. Johnson said the inquiry, ordered by his own office, would provide a proper independent review into Greensill. He has insisted the Tories are consistently tough on lobbying. In UK news, young people in the UK are facing the sharpest rise in unemployment in almost 30 years, according to the Resolution Foundation. The think tank said rates of unemployment among 18 to 24-year-olds rocketed by nearly a fifth during the first six months of the pandemic, the UK's biggest quarterly climb since 1992. Young black people were found to have been hardest hit, with rates of unemployment rising by more than a third to 35% over the past year. By comparison, jobless rates among young Asian people and young white people rose by just three percentage points each to 24% and 13% respectively. Northern Ireland's Children's Commissioner has claimed that encouraging children to take part in rioting amounts to child abuse. Kula Yusuma said that adults had coerced vulnerable and at-risk children to participate in recent disorder in Northern Ireland and described such behaviour as criminal exploitation. The worst violence has occurred in areas where gangs linked to loyalist paramilitaries have significant influence. Children as young as 12 have been seen hurling bricks, fireworks and petrol bombs at police lines. Yasuma said politicians must restore a calm narrative, adding, we need them to be seen and to be supporting our community workers on the ground. British exports to the European Union partly rebounded in February, following a record slump at the start of 2021. According to figures published by the Office for National Statistics on Tuesday, goods sales to the EU increased by £3.7 billion in February, after crashing down £5.7 billion the month before. The increase was reportedly driven by machinery, transport equipment and chemicals exports. Despite the improvement, export levels remained well below those recorded last year. However, the Office for National Statistics said imports from the EU into Britain had faced an even weaker recovery. Red tape and extra costs following the end of the Brexit transition period are thought to be to blame on top of the impact of pandemic restrictions. Experts have questioned security in Afghanistan after the US said it would withdraw its troops from the country by September. Remaining British troops will also begin their withdrawal next month. Major General Charlie Herbert, a senior NATO advisor to Afghan police until 2018, warned the move may be premature. He explained, cutting and running from our Afghan partners in this way feels like a betrayal to them. Commons Defence Committee Chair Tobias Elwood has similarly warned the departure risks toppling the peace process in Afghanistan, where both US and UK forces have been stationed since 2001. A film about nomadic Americans has triumphed at the 74th BAFTA Awards after bagging four wins, including Best Film and Cinematography. Nomadland director Chloe Zhao also took home the award for Best Director, making her only the second woman in BAFTA history to do so while its star Frances McDormand won Best Leading Actress. The award ceremony, which was hosted online by Edith Bowman and Dermot O'Leary on Sunday, also saw Daniel Kaluya win the gong for Best Supporting Actor for his role in Judas and the Black Messiah, while Emerald Fennell's directorial debut, Promising Young Woman, picked up the prizes for Best Original Screenplay and Best British Film. A new survey from the Royal Society for Arts, Manufactures and Commerce shows 52% of Asian and 50% of black respondents reported facing discrimination when accessing local services during the pandemic. By comparison, just 19% of white respondents said they faced discrimination. Royal Society Research Chief Anthony Painter said the report's findings had linked discrimination with mistrust in state institutions and low take up of COVID-19 vaccines in affected groups. Painter has criticised those who put the onus on ethnic minority communities rather than on tackling the service failings that may be driving hesitancy. He said, public services need to look beyond engagement or outreach with ethnic minority groups, and instead look at the systemic and institutional reasons they are not trusted. Prospect has called on ministers to give employees a legal right to disconnect to protect their mental health. The push comes after polling by the union, which represents specialists such as scientists, engineers and tech workers, found two thirds of those working remotely supported the policy. About 35% said their work-related mental health had worsened during the pandemic, while 30% said they were working more unpaid hours than before. Writing to the government this week, Prospect urged it to use its upcoming employment bill to introduce new rules limiting when employees can be contacted for work purposes. The government's LGBT advisory panel has been disbanded after three members quit last month. The panel, which originally had 12 members, was set up under Theresa May to advise ministers on policies concerning lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender people. In March, three advisers resigned amid claims the government was dragging its feet on a pledge to ban so-called conversion therapy. On Tuesday, the government confirmed the panel had disbanded and said plans for its replacement would be set out in due course. Equalities Minister Liz Truss has insisted she is pressing ahead with the ban on conversion therapy and would announce new measures against the practice shortly. NHS England chief Sir Simon Stevens has said more than 80 dedicated long Covid clinics will be opened by the health service by the end of this month. Speaking at a virtual event on Wednesday, Stevens said £24 million would initially be invested in the clinics to provide sufferers with a clear front door for assessment. He has promised that the NHS will continue to expand its services for those with long Covid. Official figures suggest more than a million people in the UK may be suffering from symptoms of the condition. An estimated 674,000 people said such symptoms were affecting their day to day lives. The Edinburgh International Festival has confirmed it will go ahead with this year's event. The festival, also known as the Fringe, will run in the Scottish capital from the 7th to the 29th of August, albeit with outdoor stages and shorter performances. Three huge marquees will be set up in Edinburgh Park and Edinburgh University's Old College Quad, with additional performances streamed online. Shows will also be shorter than usual at this year's event, and there'll be no intervals. Edinburgh Council officials said it would be fantastic for audiences to enjoy live performances again after the challenging year we've had. Northern Ireland's First Minister Arlene Foster is suing TV presenter Dr Christian Jessen for defamation. On the 23rd of December 2019, Jessen, best known for presenting Channel 4 show Embarrassing Bodies, tweeted allegations that Foster was having an extramarital affair with a protection officer. Giving evidence at a libel hearing at the High Court in Belfast on Wednesday, Foster described the tweet as an attack on me personally and my marriage. Jessen, who did not attend the court on Wednesday, reportedly shared the allegations on three further occasions. The judge has reserved his judgment in the case. Elsewhere in the world. Protests continued in Brooklyn Centre this week after US police shot and killed a black man. 20-year-old Dante Wright was shot during a traffic stop on Sunday by an officer who allegedly meant to use a taser but mistakenly drew her gun instead. The officer, Kim Potter, resigned on Tuesday. The killing has sparked four nights of protests outside the police headquarters in Brooklyn Centre, a suburb close to Minneapolis, where former police officer Derek Chauvin is currently on trial for the murder of George Floyd. Police have repeatedly used tear gas and flashbangs to disperse crowds outside the police station, after protesters defied curfews issued by the Minnesota governor. On Wednesday, Potter was arrested and charged with second-degree manslaughter. Responding to the charges, the Wright family's lawyer said the killing was a deliberate and unlawful use of force. India hit a major milestone this week after administering more than 100 million COVID-19 vaccine doses to its citizens. It achieved the feat in just 85 days, making it the fastest country in the world to do so. Everyone aged over 45 is now eligible for the jab, with officials aiming to vaccinate 250 million people by July. The inoculation drive comes as the country faces a second wave of the virus, logging a record 200,000 new infections in just 24 hours on Tuesday. Officials have issued a temporary hold on all exports of the Oxford AstraZeneca jab manufactured in India in the hope that scaling up the vaccine drive will help them stem the wave. Meanwhile, in the US, regulators have suspended use of the vaccine made by Johnson & Johnson after six women developed blood clots. In a statement on Tuesday, the health regulators said use of the jab would be paused at federal vaccination centres while an investigation was carried out. Individual states are expected to follow suit. Of the six women affected, one has died and a second remains in hospital in a critical condition. All six were aged between 18 and 48 and suffered blood clots and reduced platelet counts in the days after they were vaccinated. Seven million people in the US have had the jab so far. The Japanese government has announced plans to release more than a million tonnes of radioactive water into the Pacific Ocean. The water from the destroyed Fukushima nuclear plant is currently being stored in huge tanks at the site and space is running out. Japan said the water would first be filtered to remove harmful isotopes before it starts pumping it into the sea in about two years' time. The process is expected to take decades to complete. Local fishing unions and the governments of neighbouring China and South Korea have expressed serious concerns about the plans. However, Japan insists that the water must be released to allow the damaged plant to be decommissioned. A second explosive event hit St Vincent on Sunday after major activity was recorded at a volcano on the Caribbean island. La Soufriere had lain dormant for more than 40 years before it began erupting on Friday. According to the country's National Emergency Agency, Continuous explosive activity this week has left most of St Vincent covered in ash and without power and water supplies. Around 20,000 people have been evacuated and residents have been told to shut windows and stay indoors. The United Nations is setting up an international funding appeal to respond to the incident, warning that the humanitarian crisis caused by the eruptions could last for months. French MPs have moved to ban short-haul domestic flights for journeys which could be made by train. The ban is loosely based on a recommendation made by France's Citizens' Convention on Climate, which proposed scrapping flights for journeys that could be made by trains in under four hours. Instead, following fierce debate among MPs, legislation was backed suspending internal flights that can be made by direct train in less than two and a half hours. Connecting flights will not be affected. The measure was passed despite opposition, including that from MPs, who complained that watering down the four-hour recommendation had emptied it of its substance. The Iranian foreign minister has vowed that the country will take revenge following an attack on an underground nuclear facility. A power failure at the Natanz uranium enrichment plant on Saturday seriously damaged centrifuges used to enrich uranium. While the failure was initially attributed to a blackout, officials have since claimed that the plant was the target of Israeli nuclear terrorism. A spokesman for Iran's foreign ministry told reporters the answer for Natanz is avenging Israel. Israel is yet to respond to the claim. Egypt has seized the container ship that blocked the Suez Canal last month after its owner failed to hand over $900 million in compensation. The Ever Given spent six days wedged across the canal and disrupted the passage of more than 400 boats. It was eventually freed by a salvage operation. On Tuesday, the Suez Canal Authority, SCA, said the ship had been seized due to its failure to pay $900 million in compensation, including $300 million for a salvage bonus and $300 million for loss of reputation. Ever Given insurer UK Club said it was disappointed at the SCA's decision to reject its settlement offer and seize the ship. It has described the compensation claim as extraordinarily large. In lighter news... Event companies claim the UK is on course to hit peak drive-in this summer, amid an explosion in outdoor cinema bookings. As a host of COVID-19 restrictions lift this week, ticketing site Eventbrite said it had seen a 300% increase in listings for drive-in events. Eventbrite executive Sebastian Boppert said drive-in and outdoor cinemas were the most searched terms on its site last year. They're becoming increasingly popular again as people look to get out and about, he added. Channel 4's iconic cooking show, Come Dine With Me, has issued an appeal for contestants as it prepares to restart filming. Production was paused during the pandemic, but will now resume with new measures to keep it within government guidelines, such as filming episodes in a COVID-secure venue rather than contestants' homes. People from locations across the country, including Birmingham, Cardiff, Essex, Glasgow and Leeds, are being encouraged to apply. A £1,000 reward has been offered for the safe return of the world's biggest rabbit after it disappeared from its home in Worcestershire. Darius, an 11-year-old continental giant rabbit, was discovered missing by his owner, Annette Edwards, on Sunday. The former Playboy model said she was devastated and had reported the four-foot animal stolen. She told reporters, It's just so upsetting because he is such a lovable character. I have offered a £1,000 reward and don't mind how he has returned. I just want that bunny back. And finally, the Scottish island of Fair Isle may be far flung, but it can now claim to be one of the safest places in the UK. The remote island between Orkney and Shetland has a population of just 48 people, all of whom have now been fully vaccinated against COVID-19. Second doses of the Oxford AstraZeneca jab were flown in this week, with island nurses Kirsten Robson and Margaret Cooper able to vaccinate all of Fair Isle in just one morning.